Good morning. Please have your Bible ready. Open to the Gospel according to John, chapter 1. If you are here to honor Jesus Christ, we commend you for that motive. And our purpose is to present the Word of God with such clarity and urgency. When you leave here, you are even more determined to honor Jesus Christ. Let's address, with our Bibles open, this very simple question. Why is Christ worthy of our honor? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you believe this book we've read from, and if you believe this book is the Word of God, a credible reliable document given under supervision of the providence of God, these words answer our question. We honor Christ because of who He is. Do you know there have been thousands or more religious leaders since the beginning of time? There are religious groups and organizations today exalting some man or some group of men. Not one of those men can be described with the words we've read from John chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. Jesus is called the Word because He perfectly communicates deity. And he perfectly communicates deity because he is deity. 
The Word not only was with God, but was and is God, and all things were made through Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Of what religious leader can that be said? After the opening chapter, John begins his presentation of evidence that this is the truth about who Jesus is. John calls witnesses. He records, he archives signs and wonders. And he concludes with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. God sent his Son and accompanied his presence on earth with abundant evidence that we can access now about who he is, what he did, and what our response to him should be. And there are other such descriptions in the New Testament. Long ago, Hebrews 1 Long ago, at many times <clears throat> and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much superior to angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is why we honor Jesus Christ. We honor him because... Of who he is. And let me add this. If someone here isn't convinced. By the evidence in the New Testament. I'd like for you to please come and visit with me about that. I promise I will not fly into a rage. I would like to reason with you from the evidence. In the hope that the evidence leads you to faith in Jesus Christ and to honoring Him with your heart, your words, and your life, from now on, we honor Christ because of who He is. We honor Christ because of what He did. I'm going to read again from the New Testament, 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22. The Apostle Peter wrote this to Christians to refresh their faith, to fortify them against pressure, to solidify them as they stood on the truth of the gospel. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. 
baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. In God's justice, atonement was necessary for sinners. And sinners could not, because of their sin, atone for themselves. Jesus took that on. It says he suffered <clears throat> once <clears throat> for our sins. And it goes on to say, the righteous for the unrighteous, watch this, that he might bring us to God. He suffered once for sins, and it goes on to say, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Jesus suffered and died to bring us to God. <clears throat> he paid the price we couldn't pay. Because he was a perfect sacrifice, God accepting his death as atonement, and because Jesus did this, we can be saved, forgiven of our sins. It says baptism now saves us because Jesus gave himself for us. This is why we honor Jesus Christ, not just today, not just this week or this month, but with the full surrender of our lives every day. The death of Christ is central to our faith, necessary for our salvation, and its motive on a daily basis to honor Him with our lives. Instead of us, it was Christ who bore this burden. He had no sins. He suffered and died for sinners. As we studied today in the adult Bible class in Isaiah chapter 53. If this were the only reason, it would be sufficient grounds to get up every day and honor Jesus Christ. We honor Him because of where He is. Stay right here in 1 Peter 3, and at the end of the paragraph, verse 22 says, He has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. Back to something I mentioned earlier. Thousands of men and groups of men claiming to be religious leaders dating back so many ages ago. Where are those leaders now? Dead and buried. Jesus lived, died in the manner we just described and read, was buried. God raised him from the dead and took him to his right hand. I like the way this is affirmed by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. And in verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died. 
more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God. And again I want to say, if you are not convinced of that truth, please visit with me and we'll explore the evidence together. This is why we honor Jesus Christ. Let me review before we turn the page to the next part of the sermon. We honor Him because of who He is. We honor Him because of what He did. We honor Him because of where He is now, at the right hand of God. Now all of this leads to another question we have to address. Now that we know why He is worthy of honor, the next logical step is how do we honor Him? And it is here that I want to stress this point. Many of the ways people claim they're honoring Christ are temporary. Inconsistent with Scripture and only a token. Many of the ways people claim they are honoring Christ, many of those ways are temporary inconsistent with Scripture, and only a token. There are paintings, statues, jewelry, bumper stickers, and concerts, and holidays, and token rituals. The question has to be expressed like this. What does the Word of God say about how we honor Him? What does the Word of God say about how we honor Christ? I'm just going to read several passages, asking you to listen carefully, and you draw what you consider to be the appropriate conclusion about how we honor Christ. And being made perfect... He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. John 8.31 Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. John 14.21 Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. What do you think? It is, it is enough to just read what Scripture says and then engage in personal follow-through. It is not enough to just speak favorably of Jesus Christ if your life isn't offered to Him in obedience every day. Will the bumper sticker be sufficient in the absence of daily obedience? We know the answer to that. Will the observance of a holiday twice a year honor Him genuinely 
without abiding in His Word the rest of the year? We know the answer to that. Back to that passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, where we read that Jesus suffered and died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. Is there anything in that passage we read in 1 Peter 3 about obedience? Or is it just something you read and deposit in the archives of your mind? Is there anything in that passage about where obedience starts? One might ask, after being convinced of Jesus' death on the cross, what do I need to do? Where do I need to start? Is there any answer to that in 1 Peter 3? There is in verse 21, baptism now saves us. That's where you start. And then after baptism, the follow-through of daily obedience as a disciple of Christ. Obedience is the way we honor Jesus Christ. Obedience that is fully embraced when you're baptized and then renewed and formed into a recommitment every day after baptism. So here's where we are. Christ is worthy of our honor because of who He is, what He did, and where He is. But how do we honor Him? Hebrews 5.9 says, And being made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. John 8.31, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. John 14.21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 14.23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Here's where I want to take this in my final word. When you read the Bible and learn about your sin, and then you become acquainted with the good news of Jesus Christ, it isn't just knowledge. It isn't just something you speak of favorably on occasion. It isn't something that gets you to a church building a couple of times a year, <clears throat> or even once a week. It goes much deeper. It must go much deeper. What must accompany our knowledge of the truth is our commitment of life to God that expresses itself in obedience to Christ daily. Obedience that we discover as we attend to the scriptures given by the Holy Spirit. So the question for each person today is, am I honoring Christ not just by my presence here this morning. Not just by coming back to this building twice a year, once a year, or once a week. Am I honoring Christ by the way I think and speak and live every day? Knowing that He's coming again, and I will stand before Him. You will stand before Him. You can stand before Him then, cleansed. By His blood. But remember, He is the author 
of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Perhaps there are people here who need to obey him now, making that choice while we stand together to sing. <laughs>